Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I, uh, before we kind of get started, uh, how many of you guys know that we're going to be doing movie night here on Friday? <laughs> Friday is movie night. Now, I have bad news. What's that? And Nona's birthday. Hey, that's more important than movie night. Um, so the, uh, my, my bad news, here's my bad news. We were going to show Spider-Man. Uh, the problem with Spider-Man, the licensing won't allow us to show it until 4 or 5. So we have to wait until April 5th to show it. So we're going to show Sing 2, which is what our licensing will allow for. So Sing 2 is really good. So on Friday, so I'm, I'm making this announcement from here because we, had, we have it out everywhere and we probably need to change those posts uh, so that people know. Or they can just show up to see Spider-Man and we'll surprise them with Sing 2 and it's pretty good. We'll be like, hey, here you go. Sorry. You know, uh, we meant that for next month. Anyway, um, we are in this series called Our House. Brand new series that we're starting. It's going to run four or five weeks, maybe six. Uh, it's going to lead us right to Easter. Um, I, I don't know how far we're going to go with it yet. As, uh, but what we're going to talk about are some different attributes of God. And we're going to talk about how the church should respond and what we should look like and how it should be. Um, because... Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and uh, prior to you attending a church of some sort, and if you're watching at home, I'd ask you to put it in the comments or whatever, I'd like you to ask this question of yourself and go, what is the church? Like when you think about that statement, what is the church? Because a lot of people have this whole mindset that is not actually what it's supposed to be. And so our house, we're actually referencing the church, and so when you think about it, what do you think of? Are you going... Do you think of a place that's filled with grace? Do you think of a place that's filled with mercy? Do you think of a place that's filled with broken people just trying to get through life together? Or some of you may have a whole different impression because you've been here for a little while, but a lot of people from the outside looking in might think of it as a place that's full of judgmental people, a place that's full of hate, a place that's full of anger. A place that's not really for love, but and we are known so well for what we are against. Right? We're against these things. The church is known for being, you know, like when you hear about it, you know, the church is known, especially the Catholic church is known for offending and hurting people. And so you start looking at these things. And now that that doesn't happen in all churches, but it's what we're known for. And what we need to do is we need to start shifting some things in order to make it to where the church is known as a place where God resides. And also you should remember is that we are the church. This building is a place that we come to assemble together, but we are the church. So how many of us do we look at our problems? So many of us have problems in our life that either deal with pain, uh, disappointments, hurt. And, and I think some of it, some of it is, is a result from not understanding the true nature of God. You know, you know, I think that we have this, we, we don't understand the true nature of God, and we don't understand the good, the holiness, we don't understand the loving, the merciful, the compassionate God. We, we are, that we forget that he is here. That, we, that when we come here, I know a lot of us, we come to service, and it's like a, it's a way that we come, and we, and we hang out with people, we socialize, we, we come to, to try and reconnect with friends. But really, it should be a sole mission for us to go, how do we connect with God? How do we reestablish our relationship with him? And then how do, we, how do we really embed ourselves into that relationship with him? 
the friendships, the relationships, all of that is a byproduct of what God does and how he is here. And we need to start moving in that direction. I want to help you get to know that God, and I want to talk to those of you that are hurting right now. Some of you guys are hurting, struggling. You're afraid. You're alone. You're exhausted. You're worn out. And to be honest with you, you just kind of walk around losing hope more and more daily. And today we're going to, I don't spend a whole lot of time in the Old Testament, to be honest with you. But today we're going to be spending some time listening to a guy from the Old Testament named Jeremiah. So if you have your Bible, uh, if you don't have a Bible on the seat in front of you, maybe someplace you're going to open up. And actually we're going to stay kind of close to the front. We're going to open up to Lamentations. We're going to just go to chapter 3. And in this place, in this place here, uh, Jeremiah is in this position where he thinks that people suck. Okay, just want you to know. Life isn't fair. His body's wrecked. He can't sleep. He's broke. He's overwhelmed with anxiety. And God doesn't seem to care. So I just want to go back to this. Anybody, can you, can you, can you relate here a little bit? People suck, right? People just suck. Life isn't fair. His body's wrecked. He can't sleep. He's broke. He's overwhelmed with the pressures of life and is carrying around massive amounts of anxiety. And God doesn't seem to care. Right? Isn't it terrible? Isn't this how it is? Now, Here's what it says. So if you open it up, Lamentations 3, and we're going to go right to verse 19, and we're going to look at verse 19 and 21, or 19 through 21, and it says, here's what it says. I remember my affliction and my wandering, and the bitterness, and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Yet this, so, so I want to go back before we go into this next thing. He, he's already in this mindset. Things suck. I don't have any money. I don't have anything. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety. I remember all this wandering that I've been doing, the bitterness, the gall that I've been going through. And I remember them and remember them well. Verse 22, though, goes on and says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. So here's the thing, though. I want, to, I want to be very clear. Each one of us are representatives. Each one of us, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you are now a representative of the Lord, and you are an ambassador, and so you're supposed to be doing these things. And so if, if you start looking at your heart, and you start looking at how the church is supposed to be, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. And it says his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Mercies begin afresh each morning. So I want you to look at this for a second. And see, we're going to talk a little bit about the mercy of God and how it affects the church. And where we should be at and what we should be doing. And I want you to know something. Mercy of God is much more complex than what you think it is. It's much more complex. It's, it's stacked. There's layers, right? And, and, and see, our goal today is to simplify this mindset. And so we want to simplify it. And, and so we're going to start simple, and we're going to go a little deeper, and it may confuse some of you, 
and that's okay. We're going to kind of, we'll, we'll work through them. And so I think that some of us, we have kind of soupy view. Like when you ever try to look through a can of soup, right? Like anybody ever, anybody ever got sick, sick in here and you just did a Campbell's can of chicken noodle soup and you put it in a cup or whatever and it was glass and you can kind of, like if you're really struggling, you can see through it, right? Like you're like, hey, I can see through this. But it gives you this weird, distorted view of it. It really does. Everything is weird. Even if you just look through a glass, you can just look through a, 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 you get a, you get a distorted view of what really is going on there. And just talk to anybody who has glasses, right? If you talk to somebody who has glasses, they have a new view because of the glasses. And so it just happens to be ocular trained to them. And, it, 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 and, and anyway, but they, but so here's the thing is that they have a, we have a distorted view of some of these things. We have a distorted view of God's love. We have a distorted view of God's mercy. We have a distorted view of grace. And we have a distorted view of compassion because we've mashed them all together. We did. We've mashed all of them together thinking that all of that is the same thing. And it's not. It's not the same thing. See, those qualities are all true of God, but they're not... They're, they're, they're not, uh, or they're unique, right? They're not just one. It's not one thing. And so we're going to look at mercies, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. See, here's justice. We're going to give you the term of justice. I'm going to come up here. Justice, you get what you deserve, right? Isn't that justice? You did this, you get it. And the Bible speaks very clearly of it. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So that's what justice is. We get what we deserve, okay? Grace. When you get what you don't deserve, the salvation that is given to us is because of grace. It's not what we deserve because we deserve, back, we go back one line, we deserve justice. We get justice is what we deserve, we get grace. Grace is what we don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Okay? Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. See, if you just talk about this, if you got on to, like if you were going to get on a bus here, and they just let you on the bus, or we'll use an airplane. If you got to the airport, and they just let you on the plane, and going on this direction, that would be mercy. They would let you on because you didn't have a ticket. You know, if you just showed up there, no ticket in hand, and they let you go anyway, you got what you, you, you didn't get what you deserved, right? You just got on. There's no ticket. You have, that's, you, and so that's how you have to think about this. You know, we're going to look at this. An example of Ephesians 2, and Paul contrasts our condition without Christ. And he goes, this is God's mercy. So Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were... So he tells us, without Christ, without us having Christ, we are dead because of our disobedience and our sins. That's what we are. And when we've been living in this mindset of obeying the devil, on a regular basis, we obey the devil. And see, we follow our sinful desires, which makes us subject to God's anger. That's what happens. This is how it goes. So the question is, and we ask this question often, how can 
a loving God be angry? Anybody ever heard that? How can a loving God be angry? Right? It, it, love and anger is kind of complex, isn't it? I mean, just think about it. Love and anger. You, have you ever seen that? If you've been married, you know that love and anger can, be, can coexist in the same room, right? Right? I mean, just think about it. They can unquestionably coexist. You can love somebody and be angry with them. You know, and, and see, it's hard, and, and I also want to tell you, it's really hard to compare God to us, right? You can't just compare God to what we do, how we live. It's really hard to compare God to us. And so let's, we're going to break it down a little bit somebody. How about this? Can you love somebody? Like, just give you an idea. If your child comes to you, they come up to you and they just bold-faced lie to your face, right? They just, you go, you, like their hand is in the cookie jar. And you come up to them and you go, are you trying to steal a cookie? And they look at you and go, no. <laughs> well, what are you doing with your hand in the cookie jar? It's not in the cookie jar. It's in the cookie jar. I can see it. What do you do? Do you go, do all of a sudden you stop loving that child? Right? All of a sudden you go, well, guess what, child? You lied to me, and now you've committed a sin against our relationship, and now I kick you out of my house. <laughs> do we do that? We don't do that, right? I mean, I, I hope, I mean if you do that, then wow. I mean, we, gotta, we should have a conversation because, but, I mean, that's how it is. How about, how about this? You have a friend of yours. You've been out partying all night long. They go out, they drive drunk. They get in a car accident. Do you disown them, or what do you do? Right? You love them. They're your friends. What do you do? Right? It's complex. They did something wrong. They affected the person's property, maybe the life of somebody else. Do you just go, oh, no, I'm done. I, I, no more of you. No more of you. You're done. Or when your husband doesn't put the toilet seat lid down, and you fall in, do you... Do, do, uh, do you stop? Do you stop? Do you, and you're like, I don't love you anymore. You committed the worst sin possible. You made me sit in your pee. You know what I mean? Like, is that, is, that, is that what you do? Whole different anger, right? You love. You still love through those things. You just get irritated. You're like, oh, what am I going to do about this child? What am I going to do about this friend? What am I going to do about this spouse? Well, how do I get through this? But you love. You might get mad but you still love them. When God's angry, he both loves people and is angry about what is hurting them. He's angry about what's hurting you. Your sin doesn't affect him. He gets to sit up there and watch. He gets to look down and go, haven't you ever sat on the sidelines and watched somebody just do something stupid? You've all watched fail videos. I should play one for you right now. We just play, you know, you've all watched and you laugh at them. You're like, ah, can you imagine what our father in heaven's doing? He looks down and goes, <laughs> you know, just kind of one of those laughs that is, because right, I've never done it before, I guess. It's, it's new. I'm working on my Mickey Mouse laugh, you know. I think he shakes his head a lot. I think he does. I, I agree. Susan says he shakes his head a lot. I think I'm 100% in agreement. I think he looks down and goes, thought I raised you better than this. I thought, I thought that I gave you good instruction. I thought I gave... You know, a lot of people go Bible as basic instructions before leaving earth, right? But it's really, it's complex instructions before leaving earth. But as you read it, he goes, I gave you everything, told you what you needed to do, told you how you needed to live, just like a parent does. I told you how to, I told you don't touch the stove, it's going to be hot. 
I told you not to do this. I told you not to do these things. That doesn't mean we stop loving. Even, even if you have a child that's deep into addiction and doing whatever they're doing, when they steal your TV, you don't stop loving them. You just get super angry about it. You get angry. You're like, oh my gosh, you're out. I can't have this anymore. I can't, you know, but you, you don't stop loving them. You just keep doing it. See, the problem is the church has stopped loving this community. Not just the edge, right? I'm just, I, I, I used the church. I, so I love how the Air Force determines things sometimes. The Air Force, as I was going to some things, they have the small A, which is the airmen, and they have the large A, which is the Air Force, right? So we're going to talk, or the capital A, or the large A, whatever you want to call it. But so for us, we're going to talk about the capital C, which is the church. The lowercase c would be the edge. So the capital C, the, the big case, the upper case, the, 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 the mothership, for lack of a better term, is failing because we have stopped actually being merciful on our communities. We've stopped showing love. We've stopped going out and going, hey, you deserve this, but this is, but, but you're going to get this instead. And that's where it's gotten to. See, Paul says without Christ, we're in bad shape. This community without Christ, without the church, is in bad shape. See, when you look at verse 4, we're in the next thing here, some of the two, the two of the best words in the Bible are there. You, you know, it, it, you start to look this. See, our sins make us dead, and we're obeying the, the, the devil. And here's what it is. We're subject to God's anger. And here's the, here's the two best words. But God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I mean, start thinking about this. This is what we deserve. We deserve death. We deserve destruction. We deserve the separation. But God, who is so rich in mercy gives us life gives us he, he, he continues to give us new even though we deserve to be punished god didn't give us what we deserved thank god he's not always fair right if he was fair could you imagine a, could you imagine a fair god i just want you to i just want you to go when you say this god you're not fair you should be like thank you for not being fair could you imagine a fair God? Because if he was fair, he would look at this and go, you get it, it, up. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, that's a fair God. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's a fair God. Oh, you hurt somebody? Well, I'm going to hurt you. You steal from somebody? I'm going to take from you. And if you have nothing to give, I'm going to take body parts. That's what happened. You know, by the way, I will tell you that thievery would come to a sudden halt in the United States if people, well, they, they, oh, you got caught stealing? Well, come on into this room. We're going to take a hand. Yeah. And you'd see people walking around one-handed. They, they, you know, we, let's say they take the bad hand, right? They give, they, I'm, I'm right-handed, so they take the left hand. Could you imagine everybody walking around just nubs on the one hand? Hey, how you doing? Oh, you're a thief. You know, I'm not talking to you. How you doing? Hey, come over to your house, knock on the door. He might be a friend of yours. Come on in. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you stay outside. I, I like my stuff. 
and I want you to keep both hands. I want you to have another hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's how it would be. And see, we don't look at it that way. We look at it going, oh, God, I'm dealing with this. A lot of what we deal with is because of the bed that we've made. A lot of what we deal with is because of the bed. And it takes, and guys, I want you to know is that you didn't end up where you were overnight. It took some effort to get where you were and where you are. It's going to take some effort to get away from where you are. <sighs> that word mercy, if you go back into the Greek, aleos, E-L-E-O-S, E-L-E-O-S, I'm sorry, O-S. <laughs> By the way, it's a present tense word. It, it, it's, it's present tense. It's not one of these things that he didn't just have mercy one time. He continues to have mercy over and over and over and over again. He has mercy. And it's a continual state of unending mercy. Rich in mercy is what he says. Continual, always being there. You see, when you read the Old Testament, have you ever gone and you just started... So a lot of people, when they pick up the Bible the first time, you know what they do is they start reading the Old Testament right in Genesis. They pick it up and they go, I'm going to read this whole thing in a year. right? Or I'm going to read this thing and I'm just going to start reading like a story. And if you start reading, you get to Genesis and then right around Genesis eight you get to an angry god who goes i don't see any good around people let's flood this world and get rid of everybody right angry and then we see an angry god again as he tells them go and wipe out all of them go and destroy all of them we see anger we see them he goes i cannot continue to see what that sin looks like i can't continue and see that's we see an angry god in the old testament and now a loving pushover God in the New Testament is kind of what we see there, right? We're just like, wow, God, what is going on? But so many of us have the wrong view of God because that's what we see. So I want you to think about this. And it starts in Genesis 3, which is where the fall happens. This is where the apple happens. And then you have this complex view of God and mercy all the way until Revelations 20. I mean, so the, the Genesis 3 to Revelations 20 is nothing but we see complex, we see, we see this anger, we see this, and then you see the judgment of God, you see the judgment of God happens in Revelation 20. So it's perfect, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, 3, the sin happens, and then all of a sudden you get to the judgment of God in Revelation 20, and then it's perfect in Revelation 20, 21, and 22. There's three chapters on either end that bookend the Bible, and the rest of it is full of complex of uh, when you look at it and it's got anger and it's got mercy and there's so much that's happening but it's not just the beginning and the end it begins in genesis 1 right but it and, and god creates and he goes and he looks and he goes it's good and he actually says it's very good and god told us he said don't eat of the fruit don't eat the fruit you will surely die but it wasn't physical death it was a spiritual death and what happens is, you look at God, he comes down, and they, what do they do? They go run, and they go hide, and they go, because God is in the garden. God comes walking through the garden. So here's, here's how my mind works. That's a good one. It's good. Right? So here's the thing. So Genesis 3, we see the fall, right? And we see that they realize that they were naked. That's when they realize that they were naked. Genesis 3. So I'm going to tell you right now, if I was naked, if Melissa and I were naked someplace in Genesis 2, 
and God walked up, and he was fully clothed, I would say, hey, where are my clothes? So that tells me that when God walked into the garden, God was naked, right? God just showed up, and he was like, hey, here I am. Nobody thought anything about it. <laughs> Take your mind out of the gutter, Susan. Anybody else who's out there watching it? You know, but he walked in, and he was like, hey. So when he showed back up in the garden in Genesis, and he goes, he goes, what do you mean you're naked and ashamed? This is how we are. This is how we're created. And this is what we look like. Why do you want to cover it up? What is going on? Well, we're ashamed. Well, what do you think? Why, you know, I, <laughs> I told you, my mind goes to a weird place, and it starts thinking about it. So my wife goes, stop, now. But here's the thing. What does God do? God shows mercy. He sacrifices an animal, and he covers them. He, he, he doesn't sit there and go, like, I mean, could you imagine? That's how, like, if something came upon you, and you, they sinned completely against you, they said, don't do this, and yet you go, I'm going to go into mercy, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to give up something, I'm going to take somebody else's life, something else's life, in order to make it to where you can get through your shame. This is what the church is supposed to do. This is what the church is supposed to do. This is how we're, when somebody's struggling or when, when, they, when they come in covered in sin, covered in, in all that they're dealing with, the church is supposed to do all this and help them cover the shame that they feel. Not to go, oh, you can't be here. You can't be part of this. You know, we've forgotten that this is a hospital for sinners. That you know, honestly, honestly, if people aren't walking in here every once in a while smelling a little bit like weed, we're probably not reaching people. But you just got to understand that. I mean, just think about it. If everybody came in here perfect, wearing their Sunday best all the time, that all we're doing is reaching people, and we've created a club. We've created a club for the saved. This is not a club for the saved. This is a hospital for the sinner. And we, need to start, and we need to start realizing this. And we need to get back to this mindset of remembering that each and every one of us are sinners. Here, here's, let's just prove that fact right now. Anybody in here ever told a lie? Show of hands. Put them up. All right. Anybody in here ever stolen anything? A pen from the bank? Whatever. All right. All right. Look around. Keep your hands up. And if you're at home watching, look around your house. Look in the mirror. Whatever you got to do. Right here, we've all self-identified as sinners. So look, just look and go, everybody in here has got their hands up. We, one of us, we told some sort of lie. We, we maybe have stolen something. Maybe some of you are just like, I'm just doing my hands because I don't want everybody to look at me and think that I'm Jesus. So, so put your hands down. So we self-identified and go, hey, so automatically, each and every one of us has needed this mercy that God speaks of and, God, and that the Bible tells us. It goes, this is what God has gotten an abundance amount for each one of us. That's what it's supposed to be. And yet we tell people in the, large ch in the large church, right, the capital C church, we tell them, no, you can't come here. I've been to churches where I've walked in the door and they told me, dressed just like I am right now. And they go, you can't come in here. I can't come in. What did I miss? You're wearing jeans, my friend. I said, I didn't come in naked like David did. And run around with flags up in the front. I mean, <laughs> not that that happened in that church. I'm just making a point 
is that the Bible clearly speaks that when they worshipped, they, they took everything else that hindered that worship. And yet, here we go, we got to do, and I get, we're going to do our Sunday best, and we're going to come in, and we're going to, but man, don't put an undue expectation on people that are trying to walk in and find the mercy and the grace and the love of God that doesn't need to be there. There's, there's, I, I can tell you that the thief that was on the cross next to Jesus, as he was hanging there, and he said, I will surely see you in heaven in my Father's kingdom tonight. I can promise you he didn't go, but you're not wearing a pair of slacks, so you can't get in. You know, he barely probably had a loincloth on covering up his stuff while he was being in the same way that Jesus was, the same thing that's happening, and you look there and you go, no, 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 you've got to come and worship in your best. I was, I, mind you, I had already been a pastor for several years when this had happened. I had somebody come to my door, knock on my door, and go, do you require baptism in your faith? And we go, we don't because we believe that's an outward expression of what God is doing inside of you. We believe that that's an accountability statement. That's something that you show that. He goes, well, then everybody in your church is going to hell. <laughs> Susan just puts them on blast. That's that church of Christ, isn't it? I mean, wait a minute here. I but that's what they believe. There's churches out there that believe if you play an instrument in service any instrument other than your mouth that that's going to put you in hell same church by the way i, I mean uh <laughs> but that's how it is it, but you read in it, it says in psalms to the harp player playing this key I, I mean like wait wait a minute here is it okay to play in a harp i mean is it weird that somebody would have that be up here instead of playing a bass slapping the bass it'd be up here straight <laughs> i mean <laughs> Uh, you know, then we'd have to figure out how to amplify it and all those things. It'd be, it'd be an electric harp. Could you imagine? Here's the electric harp. I mean, you know, I guess maybe we could sell a bunch of those in the Church of Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I really am. I'm just trying to be funny, and I got a little carried away. And Different strokes for different folks, right? Isn't that what it is? Different strokes for different folks. They believe what they believe. But the capital C church, see, here's the thing. Some of those churches are the churches that make the biggest splash in the water. Uh, anybody heard of the church that shows up and protests soldiers' funerals? Westboro Baptist shows up and protests every single soldier's funeral if you're on the East Coast. Do you think that that's how we should be? See, I, and I'm not saying that, I, and, and so here's the thing. Is they're not actually protesting the funeral of that soldier, they're protesting the reason why, but it gets so confused and put into the wash altogether that you don't, we don't see. And here's the thing, uh, you should understand something. Westboro Baptist is less than 100 people church, and yet everybody knew their name as soon as I said. It's the splash that they make. It's, the, it's what happens. So when you hear the bad things, when you see the bad things, or when you see the things and how we're represented, anybody here about the church this last week that had somebody go in and commit an act of violence in it in Sacramento had nothing to do with the church, by the way. The church was not part of it at all, but all you saw on the news was the church did this, this happened in a Sacramento church. This happened in Sacramento church. By the way, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to just, I, I want you to be very clear. I'm not discounting what happened there at all, but the church 
was just a facility for supervised visitation. They, the, the county rented the facility to allow the church to be able to do, to, to allow parents to be able to see their children. And the act of violence and the person that was killed was a, was a church employee, but they worked for the county. They, they were bivocational, which is a lot of people that work in churches. They were doing supervised visitation. And that's what happened. But it gets blamed on the church. It's the splash. This is what we're known as. The church is known as, hey, we protest this. We don't love. We're against this. We're against that. We're against... I mean, just think about it. If you go online, why is the church against abortion? Why is the church against homosexuality? Why is the church against this? Because those whole things are in the Bible, by the way. All of them are. Do not commit murder. Do not lay with another of the same sex. Do not... Those are all in the Bible. Those are all things. But we don't have to be that way. We don't have to be known for that. We can, be shown for, we can show love for those that are committing that sin because we all commit sin as well. And we can show that love to them and go, it does not matter what your sin was and allow God to make those changes in them rather than us trying to be the one that forces changes on people. See, that's the problem. That gets this mindset of going, we have it all together when we are all broken. We are hurting. We are, we are so, so, so broken trying to tell everybody, you're Worse than us. It's in order to make us feel better. It's in order for us to go, I can have a step up on them. At least I'm not as bad as they are. At least I'm not, at least I, I didn't do that. At least I didn't do those things. Instead of looking at it and going, my God is merciful. And the mercy that he gave me, the grace that he gave me, is the same grace that he wants to give everybody that's out there. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. We can have a fair God. We could have one that's fair. But then you wouldn't have mercy, you wouldn't have grace, and guess what? All of us are self-identified sinners, and all of us would be separated, and all of us would be going to hell, and all of us would be spending eternal torment. That's what it would be. We would have eternal torment, each and every one of us, except for our God is not fair. He is loving, and he is full of mercy, and he is full of grace. And it says that he has it abundantly, and it's new each and every day. Is what it says. So, so here's the thing. Are you kind of tracking with me here? Do you kind of see how this is going? Do, do you see how the church should be and how the church has been? How do we change this? So I, I got to tell you is that for us, we're at this time as a church. We're going, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to reach people? How are, this, is a, this is a really weird time for the church now. We're coming out of, like, we're rushing out of pandemic mode, right? We're like, hey, COVID's gone. That's what we're saying. That's our line. Everybody believe this. COVID's gone. We're going to focus on all these other things, but COVID's gone. So for us, we're going, okay, well, we're rushing out of the pandemic, but people are still afraid. People are still scared. People are still have these hurts to prevent them from coming in. Well, how do we have mercy? How do we have love? How do we have compassion? How do we do the things that God has asked us to do as we move forward as a church? How do we do those things? And I want you to know it starts with the goodness of God. That's where it starts. What you have to look at is go, everything that God created is good. Think about that. Everything that God created is good. So the one that you've been telling, that ex of yours, he's no good. God has a different opinion. God looks and says, they are good. Because I created them. They're good. Now, they do crappy things, but they're good. But, but that's the thing, is that you have to look at that. And so look at Revelations 21, 22. 
God makes all things new. All things. Mercy new. And so once he starts mercy, it never ends. Look at the Old Testament. David sinned against God. And his actions could have had severe consequences on countless people. And here's what it says in 2 Samuel 24. So I told you we're going to spend a little bit more time in the Old Testament. And if you don't know where that's at, closer to the beginning than it is towards the middle. I just gave you a good answer. It's right about the middle of, in between the beginning and the middle. The middle is what? Anybody know what the middle of the Bible is? Psalms and Proverbs. Every time you open it, it lays right in the middle. It's going to land probably in Psalms and Proverbs. So it's right in the middle of that is where you're going to find 2 Samuel. Okay. Here's what it says. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. Why? Why do you think that is? Because human hands... <laughs> so here's the thing. Let's just put it, put it as basic as we can. God will have mercy. Men won't. God will have mercy. Men won't. That's as basic terms as possible. The church should be a place that has mercy. The church should be full as a place that, that that's what we are. That when we walked in here, because each of us needed mercy, each of us should be willing to pour out mercy. See, Christians should be the most merciful people in the world. Often, we are the least. Often, we are the least merciful people. You ever play mercy as a kid? Anybody get the two hands together? You play mercy as a kid? We're the kid that continues to push and push and push until you break somebody's wrist. That's us. They go, mercy, mercy. And you're like, they're laying on their, ah, please help, let go. And you're like, no, you deserve this. And that's what, that's what Christians are. Christians are the ones that keep doing that. One of the biggest deterrents to people coming to Christ today, and they'll tell you, this is a survey that came out that said that Christians are narrow-minded, they're judgmental, and that we are hypocrites. That's, that's the biggest reasons why people don't come to the church today. That's the reason why, people, when people go, why is God irrelevant to you? The reason why he's irrelevant is because of the people in the church. Because we don't act like we've had mercy. We are narrow, judgmental, and hypocrites. And we don't have mercy. That's the reason why. Let me describe how much that mercy matters to God. Here's what it says in the Old Testament. When God gave David instructions for the Holy Temple, he said, this is my dwelling place. This place. The Holy Temple, right? We call this the sanctuary, the Holy Temple. This is God's dwelling place. The entry to his dwelling place. This is what we look at. He would see this as it could be, and he even said, in a storeroom, in the upper part, the dimensions, the materials, the middle of it, the place of atonement. And he says, this is where I want the mercy seat to be. He gave, he, gave, he gave instructions with this. And he says, when you build my house, make room for mercy. Well, where's the room at for mercy? Where, where does it live at here? In James 2.13, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. It's clear, Scripture tells us, to make room for mercy so that way we can receive it as well as give it. That's what it's about. So if, if we don't have room for mercy in the room, I wish I had a, I wish I, I wish I could have an optical illusion, or not an optical illusion, but I wish I could give you a visual of it. But just think about it. 
if there's not mercy in the room, if there's not a place for mercy to be in the room, if the cup, if you can only fill up the cup so much, that means it can only give out so much. So there's a difference. If we go, hey, this cup is filled all the way to the top of mercy. And it's, it's not. It's filled with coffee. But it's filled all the way to the top of mercy. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. This is just enough for me. Because you can't have any of this. I'm not going to give you any of it. My mercy. So it is. <laughs> I, uh... Well, I guess I'll start drinking it next week. <laughs> uh, thanks for the mercy there, Susan. Appreciate that. See, we can make that go both ways, you know. But, but see, see how it is. Here's, my, here's the, 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 the analogy here, is that if there's only this much mercy in the room, there's only enough for me. It's good mercy. <laughs> but it is. But see, here's the thing. If we make it to where the whole room is mercy, there's enough for all of us. And it's abundant. It's abundant for the people that are in the, that are in the seats, and it's abundant for the people that aren't in those seats. So the people that God is going, hey, you know what, I want your church to actually have mercy in it, because right now, what it probably is, we don't have enough mercy in this room in order for it to be able to fill those seats. We don't have enough love in this room in order to fill those seats. So those seats that you see are probably because we're sucking up all the love and mercy in our own cups. I know we don't like to look at it that way, but that's what it is. That's what it is. We, we've taken it and we've made it to where this room has got, we've, here's, please, sir, can I have some more? And we're like, no. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it, 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 and, and, we've, and we've kind of, we've forgotten that mercy triumphs over judgment. We have to make room for mercy. We have to, we have to make room so that we can receive it, so we can give it. Here's the, the, we, what do we tell people, right? We tell people, come as you are to church. Come as you are. We, we just want you to come exactly as you are. Why? We want you to bring your doubts. We want you to bring your fears. We want you to bring your insecurities. We want you to bring your brokenness. We want you to bring your sin. Until you actually get here, well, then we'll shoo you away. Because you're wearing jeans. We, we tell people, there's room for you to doubt. There's room for you to question. There's room for you to get to know this Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. So let's go back to this. Let's go back to this line. We tell people, come as you are, with your doubts, with your fears, with your insecurities, with your brokenness, with your sin, with, your, with all of that that you're going, all those questions that you have. I want to talk to Jesus about this. And just instead of you going, this is the judgment that's deserved for you, point them to Jesus. Just point them to Jesus. I, I, so this morning as I was sitting in my office, somebody came in to me and they said, hey, I want, I want to make sure that I gave somebody the right advice. And, and, and I love this. And I go, and I go oh, sure, tell me what it was. And he goes, he said, I told them that when they're about to get angry to pray to Jesus. And I said, yep. And he goes, is that the right advice? I said, you pointed them to Jesus. That's always the right advice. Always the right advice is to point somebody to Jesus. See, remember, I want to go back to the beginning of this for a quick moment. Remember that justice is when you get what you deserve. Do you want God to have justice against each one of us? Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. So we've already gotten salvation because of this. Mercy 
it's when you get what you do deserve, right? When you don't get what you do deserve. So thank God for his mercies. I know that you may be going, I'm still hurting. I know that's where you may be going. So let's go back to what Jeremiah said in Lamentations. He said, in verse 22, he says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness, and his mercies begin afresh each morning. Whatever you need from God, his arms are open. His arms are open for it. And I want you to know is that we started today with mercy, because I think it's, I think it's important, but Scripture tells us that each day starts with mercy and ends with mercy. That's what it tells us. It tells us over and over again. And mercy is new each and every morning. And as we go through this, we're going to talk about a church being full of grace. We're going to talk about a church being full of compassion, a church being full of love, goodness, kindness, and probably we're going to talk about some mercy some more. So we're going to, we're going to begin with mercy, and we probably, when you hear me preach about mercy again, you probably know that's the end of this. See, I, I want you to... Uh, I want you to call this to mind. Right, here's what I want you to do. I, actually, I want you to close your eyes for me for a second. And if you're at home, close your eyes. If you're at work, you can I, I paint your eyes where it looks like they're still open, but close them. <laughs> if you're driving, keep your eyes open. But here's what I want you to do. Just close your eyes for a minute, and, and, and here's what I want you to, to think about. I just want you to think about all of your past right? Just, I, I just want you to think about all of your past and how much mercy God has had already had on you. I just want you to think about how much mercy that God has already shown upon you. And, and, and close your eyes for a moment here and just think about, and don't think about the minute, the minute, the sins that you've committed even on your way here this morning, right? You just think about the major things. Think about the things that are big sins. Think about the, the, the things that you had and just go, Look at the mercy that you've had, because here you are today. You're in here today. And here's what I want you to know, is that this mercy renews each and every day. You get this new mercy. Every morning it's renewed. Every morning you get an opportunity to do what God has asked you to do. Each and every morning is to love, to have, to, to, to show compassion, to show grace, to, to be able to to encourage people. And every day, this mercy, you get it again and again and again. Remember that you're getting it daily. All the things that you've had, all the things that are from your past, all the things that, that, have, that have prevented you, that, all the things that have prevented you from, from <laughs> wiling out, how God has continued to just be like, here, I'm going to just continue to pour this mercy upon you. I'm going to allow you to get all of these things. I'm going to allow you to have all this stuff. Now, what are we supposed to do for others? What should our life look like? Just close your eyes and go, what should I do moving forward? God, what would you have me do? God, how would, how would you have me show mercy to others? I breathe, breathe a newness into our hearts, a newness into our eyes, a newness to see people how you see them, to love them how you love them. Give us this newness. Help us wash away the bias. Help us wash away all that has prevented us from seeing people how you want us to see them, offering mercies new every day to them. You can open your eyes up.
I know that each of you were, were probably given something that was unique to you. Each one of you. How you should treat somebody, what you should do, who you should show mercy to, how you should love, how you should show compassion. Each one of you was given something that was unique to you. I want you to, to walk out of here today and go, this is what my mission is for this week. Wherever you're at. If you're here, if you're at home, if you're wherever. This is what my 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 mission is, is to show mercy in this way that God just showed me. This is what I'm supposed to do this point forward. And just try it for a week. Let's just say, hey, this week, Monday, Monday th- or Sunday through Sunday, let's just say how it goes, because we're going to come back, we're going to round up the horses, we're going to do it all over again next week. And we're going to say, this is how I did this. And we're not going to come in here and actually go, I'm not going to go up to you and go, hey, how did you show mercy this week? But I promise you, is that people will start to ask the question. Because here's what we really want. I, I want you to know, here's what pe- we really, really want. We should never have to tell anybody we're Christians. We should never, ever have to tell anybody we're Christians. And the reason why is because in the Bible, they never identified themselves as Christians in, the, in Acts. When you start looking at it, they didn't identify themselves as Christians until much later. And the reason why is because people looked at them and they said, there's something different about them. There's something different about those folks over there. There's something difficult. There's something different about those folks on the hill at, the Ante- at Antioch. There's something different about those folks that attend the edge. There's something different about those folks that go to this place. Those, those are those Christians. Those are those Christians. And those are those Christ followers. Your life should have evidence of you being a Christ follower. And it starts with giving mercies new each and every day. Because people will start going, hey, there's something different about you. There's something going on there. What does that look like? What, 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 what? And they'll come and ask you, hey, why do you live like the way you do? And guess what you get then? You get an opportunity to share a testimony. And, and see, testimonies change lives, by the way. Your story will change somebody else's life if you get an opportunity to share it. You get an opportunity to share it with somebody who's come up in there. And the best way to share it is when they go, What's going on? Because if they're receiving it at that point. I, I heard a thing on, uh, on this week. On, uh, I was at a meeting on Thursday. And they said that there's that Christianity and being able to share your testimony is like, a, is like a stoplight. See, when the stoplight is red, they're not willing to hear it at all. They don't, you can't force it on them. You can't do anything. It's just that they don't want to hear it at all. They're just like, nope. And when it's yellow, you have to tread lightly. You can't share it. You can't shout it from the rooftops. You can't force them to come to a service, but it's intimate. It's, they have to ask that question. And then you have a green light, and the green light is when, we, when you're at a Christian concert, when you're at an event like that. It's the only place that green lights exist, by the way. When they're like, I'm really just fully embraced with everything that Jesus has for me. The only way that that happens, they've already shown up to a Christian event. They've walked in knowing what's getting ready to happen. Every other time, it's almost always a yellow light or a red light. And you have to be able to identify that. You have to be ready to go, nope, they're not ready for Jesus. And yes, I can start sharing them with them a little bit, but I better have a relationship with them. That's what it looks like. And then you have to have mercy with them each and every day. Mercy new every morning. So what does it look like? How does it go? So don't be downcast. Remember that our hope is in Jesus. Our newness is in Jesus. And this, this thing that we call the big church, it, 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 it's built on the foundation of mercy. 
So that's where we're going to start at, and we're going to move forward with this. And as you go out and you go, hey, we're going to start inviting people to our house. I want you to see, I love this picture of this. So we don't create these graphics. We actually use a, a service that does this. But do you, this is like a, how I bought my house. When I bought my house, it was, it was tore up. Like there was stuff all half painted and stuff like this. And this is kind of how it is with a church. It's always going to be a little broken because it's full of broken people. No church is ever going to be perfect. No church is ever going to get 100% of the things right. We're always going to be a little broken. But see, each one of you is here in order to help fill in those brokenness. Each one of you, each one of you is here to be able to help go, okay, this is who I'm going to connect with. This is who I'm going to connect with. This is who I can reach out to. This is how I can be what God has put me in this place for. Because God delivered you here. God brought you here. And that means that he has a mission for you here. So step into it. Let's pray. I've gone way over, so let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this, this opportunity for us to remember that you've shown us mercies new each and every day. And so we are called as the church, as this body of believers, to go out and to show that mercy to everybody else. We are called to be your ambassadors. We're called to be your representatives in this community. So help us go show this newness, this love, this mercy to this community each and every day as we walk out of the door. Everybody is broken. Everybody's a sinner. Help us love each one of them. We are all broken. We are all sinners. And it's only because of your mercy and your grace that we know this and that we can realize it. So help us go share it with those around us. Father, help us love as, as an organization that's, that's never, that, that this community's never seen an outpouring of love like this before. Help us be a beacon, to be that city on the hill that you define inside of your word. You said, be the city on the hill, the light that you cannot extinguish. Help us be that for, for this community, for Fairfield, for Sassoon, for Vacaville, for, for Vallejo, for all, everywhere that we are, and just starting here, but to all ends of the earth as we have this unique nature of being part of a community that has a base or has a, has a military presence. As people leave here, they get to go be lights all over the world because it started as just a small kindling fire here, and now they get to go be fire wherever you send them. Father, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for new mercies. And thank you for the love that you show to each one of us every day. Thank you for not being fair sometimes. And thank you for being unjust because we don't want what we deserve. Father, thank you for loving each one of us. And we ask and we pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, uh, I know it's kind of a transition time.